the other night. I had gone out early to wash our car, and all of you have been through this process over the last several weeks as well, and washed Diane's car. It looked great. We were going out that night to a meeting, get in the car, we start driving back out of the garage, and I realized that it is drizzling and stopping and drizzling and stopping, and so the road is wet, and every hundred feet, I have to spray and then wipe my windshields, right? Because it's that worst kind of condition. It's, I'd rather have it rain. If the car in front of you is spraying up onto your windshield, and then it dries real quick, and it, it's got that yucky, dirty, fuzzy stuff, and you can't see, and then you spray and you wipe your windshield, and then after you wipe your windshield, you kind of have to find, for at least for a couple of seconds, you find the right spot that you can, can see the road ahead. My life is sometimes like that. And I'm so busy with the stuff that I have to do, the, the windshield of my life gets so crowded that I have to find the right perspective in order to be able to see the road in front of me. And it's not unusual for me to lose my way. Got a great story this morning, an interaction between Jesus and a couple of women. Some of you have heard this story before. It's as remarkable for what it doesn't say as what it does say. And Jesus' interaction with these women is profoundly revealing. And we often don't think of this story this way, but it is, it's not only profoundly revealing, it's preeminently practical. So I'm going to look at an incident that's recorded for us in Luke chapter 10. It will be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to read with me. If it's on your phone or if you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 10. And if we're going to talk about an interaction between Jesus and Martha and Mary. And what we're really going to do is look at a couple of life principles that come out of this. That There are a lot of things that come out of this story, but th- these two we can't miss because they touch down where we live. So this is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Jesus has been traveling, and he comes into the village, and Martha has made preparation for him and invites him to her home. So this is what happens in Martha's home between Martha and Mary and Jesus. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And we'll find out later, there are other Martha incidences. Martha is a good woman and clearly has the gift of hospitality and welcomes Jesus and makes preparation for him. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus had to say. But Martha, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. That reminds me when my mother used to call me. My first name is Maynard, and I knew I was in trouble when she said, Maynard Eddie! Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken from her. Another pastor and author, a guy named Mark Driscoll, has created a chart that compared Martha and Mary, and I really like this. Put that chart up if you would, Pete, thanks. So Mary is a contemplative. So Mary thinking, and she's praying, and she's at Jesus' feet. Mary's about the Word. 
In this case, the word of life. Jesus' word. Mary is a BB. Mary's just into who Mary is. Mary is probably a type B personality, although I don't know that we know that. But what Mary's after is the presence of God. Mary is about relationship. For Mary, it's maybe it's personality, but I would say more than that, it's probably the trained habit in her life, the kinds of choices that Eric is learning to make now on an average Monday where he's going to choose Renee instead of the argument. That comes more and more easily for Mary because Mary is about relationship. And Mary, Mary has a full heart, and that's her pursuit. Martha. Martha's active. Martha's on her way. This is Martha Stewart. Martha's a worker. Martha is a doobie. Martha's about activity and to-do lists and getting her to-do lists done. Martha's clearly a type A personality. And it's not that Martha's not spiritual. Martha has presence for God. Martha's about offering stuff for God. Serving God. Doing for God what God obviously can't do for Himself. Martha's about responsibility. And she's making her list and she's getting them done and she wants you to get your list done. And Martha, if we had to summarize Martha, well, Martha's a woman that lives with a full schedule. Martha clearly owns a townhome in Stone Ridge, doesn't she? Martha is a 21st century suburban American. She is especially a Northern Virginian. So we look at this story and we see two clear life principles that we've got to get if we're going to understand Jesus' interaction with these two women. Life principle number one, don't miss these, these are preeminently practical. Life principle number one, doing Mary is hard work. We don't always see this, but doing Mary is hard work. Following the way of Mary, being like Mary, it's very hard work. It's immensely rewarding work. In fact, it's the most rewarding work of all, but it's difficult. Doing Mary is hard work. This is not idleness. You know, if I did a survey this morning, I'll bet you that there are a few of you who would recognize that you're a Martha. And if I ask you to raise your hands, some of you would be able to raise your hands and you'd say, I'm a Martha. There are others of you that don't know. You don't know if you're a Mary or Martha. You're probably a Mary. But there are others of you that, you know, you could say, yes, I'm a Mary. But for both of us, those of us who are Marthas and those of us who are Marys, there are also times when we are lazy. This is what happens to me. I Martha it up about three-fourths of the week, and then I just get overwhelmed, and I shut down, and I'm done. I'm not doing Mary. I'm doing lazy. Because Mary is hard work. The Scripture literally says here that Mary places herself at the feet of Jesus. And you need to know that's kind of a Jewishism. That's not a casual reference. She's at Jesus' feet in a technical sense. That was idiom for where students of the rabbi would place themselves. They weren't always literally at their feet. But this is the place of learning. This is the place of receiving from the rabbi. Mary, in fact, is disregarding everything else. She's in front of Jesus and Mary has her notebook. And Mary is waiting on words from Jesus because she knows that words from Jesus are life. This is where it's at. This isn't laziness. This isn't passivity. Mary's not just out in the den chilling. Hey, Martha, Jesus and I are on the patio. We're having a beer. You go ahead. This is not what Mary's doing. Mary is learning. 
Mary is actively waiting on God. Waiting on God, sitting at Jesus' feet is difficult work. It's active, it's not passive. Mary is not doing the easier part. She's doing the better part. This is where real life waits for us. This is where our fuel can be found. Waiting on God. Being at the feet of Jesus. Martha doesn't understand this. You know, Socrates was prophet to 21st century suburban Americans when he said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Martha's full of purpose. She's hard at work, but she's frenetic at her center. She's distracted and she's resentful. She's bitter. Listen to what Martha says. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked Him, Lord, don't You care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? I mean, who does Mary think is going to prepare the meal? (laughs) Who does Mary think is going to clean everything up? Who does Mary think is going to set the table and put the flowers in the middle? Who does Mary think is going to find the matching dishes? She didn't even wash dishes from last night. Who does Mary think is going to clean all of this up? We know who's going to clean it up. I am. Martha is resentful. This is what happens to the Martha heart. When Martha takes the lead. We'll get to that in just a second. But our point, remember, doing Mary is difficult. This is something that all of us need to recognize this morning. Especially those of you who are Marthas. Doing Mary is hard work. But it's the better work. Charles Hummel published a little booklet. You can get it online now in a PDF version. You can also still order them. In the late 1970s, it was called Tyranny of the Urgent. And Hummel said this, Have you ever wished for a 30-hour day? Surely this extra time would relieve the tremendous pressure under which we live. Our lives leave a trail of unfinished tasks, unanswered letters, unvisited friends, unwritten articles, unread books, haunt quiet moments when we stop to evaluate. And this was all before email. We desperately need relief. But would a 30-hour day really solve the problem? Wouldn't we soon be just as frustrated as we are now with our 24-hour allotment? Think, of course, we thought that the... First, the fax machine, and then email would solve all of our problems. Instant communication. I don't know about you, but for me, it's created more. There are 100 emails a day that I have to look at and discard. I can't imagine what some of you look at. When we start to evaluate, we realize that our dilemma goes deeper than shortage of time. It's basically the problem of priorities. Hummel went on to make the point that we so often let the urgent things in life crowd out the most important things. So, doing Martha is no more difficult than doing Mary, and it's far less fruitful. Doing Martha is no more difficult than doing Mary, and it's far less fruitful. Doing Martha carries the appearance of getting things done, but often Martha sacrifices the greater things for the urgent lesser things. Often Martha sacrifices the greater things for the urgent, lesser things. So this leads us to our second principle. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. Real productivity always begins by doing Mary and ends with doing Martha. Real productivity always begins by doing Mary and ends with doing Martha. Now Jesus is not saying here that Martha is a bad person. He's not saying Martha isn't necessary. He's not even saying that Martha is attending to unimportant matters. Jesus is the subject of Martha's hospitality. 
The New Testament is full of examples of people making preparations and making plans and working hard to execute those plans. You've got Paul preparing for missionary trips. You've got Paul anywhere that he goes. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, if you're not familiar with it, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he wrote those letters while he was out starting churches all over Asia Minor and then the edge of what is now modern-day Europe. In every case, Paul made preparations and plans to go, and when he reached a certain city, he worked for a living while starting a church. We find in Acts chapter 6, the first church in Jerusalem, they got overwhelmed with all the needs and some of the conflict in the church, and they decided that they needed a a different structure. So they established a whole different kind of church structure in order to help them take care of the needs. And they had to have lists, and then they made lists, and they elected people, and they had a plan, and they executed it. Jesus, we find Jesus several times, most notably perhaps, when He prepares for the last meal, what we commemorate when we do communion, He prepares for the Lord's Supper. The New Testament tells us that He had made preparation and He sent someone to go ahead of He and His friends and find the person that is doing this and tell them to do this. And He has a plan and He makes preparations all through the New Testament. Plans are made, preparations are made, and then they're executed. It's not that doing Martha is unimportant, but doing Martha is secondary. And we have to remind ourselves of this because it almost always feels primary. You don't go this afternoon and think about the rest of your week and think through all of the times that you're going to have doing Mary. That's not how we do life in Northern Virginia. You're thinking about all of your Martha duties. And how you're going to execute them and get them done. And Martha is always secondary. This is why every person I have ever known or read about who has a deep and meaningful connection with God begins their day with a substantial time of devotion. We've said that one of the habits that we think makes a life here at Gateway, we've actually identified seven habits that we think make a life. And one of those habits is practicing a creative time of devotion and for me that always includes spending time as eric said in what i believe is god's word literally and it also spends time with me trying to figure out what it means to connect to him and praying and some of those times are rich and some of those times are me scratching at the ceiling and trying to figure out god where are you it's it's the same for all of us but some of those times are profound and all of that builds in me the ability to be more productive when I am Martha-ing. Because real productivity always begins with doing Mary. Years ago, runaway bestseller, many of you read it, uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He comes up with this chart. And the chart, he would encourage his readers to fill out this chart with various kinds of activities. Again, some of you have done this before. I'll speed up. We've got just a couple minutes we're coming to a dramatic conclusion. So it's urgent on the left side, not urgent activities on the right side, important activities up top, not important activities below. Now I think I filled it in a little bit, Pete, so go one more slide if you would. So he calls quadrant one urgent and important activities. And those activities are the activities that most demand our time and our attention. So this would be work deadlines or pick up the kids from soccer practice or whatever. And they are urgent. They cry out to us. They have to be done. They're on the calendar. They're very large and we circle them. And then quadrant three, down here lower left, not important, but urgent activities. They also scream at us, but they're not important. 
most of your emails. Or last week when it was a 50 mile an hour wind, right? Your trash can blew over and was blowing through the yard. It's urgent because everybody else in the neighborhood is thinking, look at this trash that's blowing into my yard. You have to go out, pick up your trash can and pick up all that trash and put it back in it. But it's not important. But it's urgent. It demands your attention. Quadrant four. Quadrant four then is the not urgent, not important category. TV. Sudoku or crossword puzzles, or all those things that we find ourselves doing that are distractions, that allow us just to sit and do nothing, to chill. And that's not an insignificant category, but Covey's point is that what usually happens in our lives is we spend so much of our energy and our time servicing what is demanded of us in quadrant one and quadrant three that all that's left The only margin we have is for quadrant four. And what ends up being ignored is quadrant two. The important non-urgent activities. Do I have one more slide about this, Pete? I think I put a couple things in there. Yes! Things like exercise, which is why Americans have an obesity problem, and things like our devotional life. Now, we could stop the sermon there, but if you do, you'll miss it. Because this, for me, was a revelation earlier in my life. And this week looking at this passage reminded me of this, and it blew my mind years ago. Years ago. I don't remember how many years ago, but I read Covey, and I did some of this exercise in my own life. I took a week one time, and I tried to divide up my activities, quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, quadrant four, and I tried to figure out how can I spend more time in quadrant two, and that became a, an exercise for me as I tried to be a more highly effective person, a la Covey. And I thought, what i got to do in order to be a more highly effective person is work on quadrant two. So I've got to work on exercise and I've got to work on my devotional life because that's a quadrant two activity, devotional life, and I've got to set some, some time aside. And then I realized that wasn't exactly right. The more I got to know Jesus, the more I saw that it was a little different. What Jesus is telling Martha here is that our devotional life It doesn't fit on this table. This table is all about Martha. Go to the next slide, Pete. This is what it looks like. There's one essential thing. There's one thing that's the best. There's one thing that sets that entire table up. There's one thing without which that table makes no sense. There's one thing without which that table is just activity. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. That and that alone can clear the windshield. That and that alone sets us up to do Martha. You know, you and I have schedules that are so full. Many of us, many of us, I'm not being humble there, many of us don't have time to be Christians. Because what it means to be a Christian is to do Martha. And then to do Mary. Let's pray.